Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clicquot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sinner and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. Get on, we got on a, uh, we got on gentlemen's clubs. Oh. How do you like those? Oh, hey, Marty. Mickey Mouse, no. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye? Where do you want it? On 1080 The Fan. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Sinner and the Saint. Luke Anderson, Will Darkins will be joined momentarily by Jen Ellis to do our baseball talk. She's also auditioning for the Hillsborough Hops public address announcer spot, so we'll do some uh, practice for her on that, see how she handles the pressure. But before we get into a little bit more talk about the NBA playoffs and who the potential playoff opponent uh, for the second round will be for the Portland Trailblazers, I should remind everyone that tickets are on sale now for the Fan Golf Classic presented by Cooney Lexus of Portland. Monday afternoon is already sold out. That is June 24th, but there still are a few spots available in the morning round. And Tuesday afternoon, the third of three listener rounds. So you can go to Portland Perks and uh, buy your foursome uh, right now if you want to do that. But uh, there's only a little time left. Because it's a very popular event, and it's a ton of fun. And the Big Fat Wieners food truck will be out there, and Rebel Yell Bourbon, and all of our friends that we've seen in years past. So it uh, should be a good time. So come out and join us. Will, you're going to be uh, you're gonna be leading the way. You're going to be the honorary uh, golf ball hitter guy out there? No. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I don't play golf. Yeah, I know. I you- play tennis. So, yeah, just get out there with a racket and see if guys can beat your shot. You hit it with a tennis racket, and then they hit it uh, with a golf club. Seems fair. Yeah, well, so we'll do that. We'll make we'll make that a thing. We'll uh, talk to the powers that be so that everybody gets a chance. Uh, what? Just to kind of, because I know you're going to roll into something, but the text line is absolutely Oh, no, that's where furious. I was going. Yeah. You and I, you and I are furious. on the same page. Yeah, so we were talking about Nick Cage and how great of an actor he is and how everything he touches turns to gold and people brought up uh the rock as a great nick cage movie also raising arizona yeah actually and i did forget about that one raising arizona is a very good movie yeah and i think that's the one he won the oscar for too also face off yeah what no dude it it doesn't (laughs) age well it doesn't age well like face off really doesn't and just like john travolta yeah and the technology in it it's it's like it's beyond sketchy seriously yeah. I mean, I know it's a movie we're talking about, but like the way they cut, <laughs> the way they cut their faces off, like there's a lot of factors that play into them, uh, like changing faces. Uh, like one being, oh yeah, uh, it only took maybe like a couple of weeks for the face to like set in and like 
attached to uh, the yeah, muscles of course, yeah, and, yeah, the whole thing. and the nerve endings and for them to have actually the cessation of like being able to move their face correctly. Go back and watch any movie that has futuristic technology that was made in the, like the 80s and 90s. The most amusing thing to me is just the picture quality on their computer screens. Like nobody thought that we would have HD video screens in our pockets, but it was like the current technology just worked better. It was never, oh, technology will get better. Like Marty McFly gets a fax and has little projector windows on it, but it's nobody goes, oh yeah, we might be done with dot matrix by then. Nope. That's how it works. Still waiting for that fax machine. Yeah. It's uh, pretty outstanding. So somebody else wrote, gone in 60 seconds. Come on. Hello. What was the movie where he was like the, <laughs> the skull on a motorcycle with his head on fire? Uh, that. What was that one? Uh, let's see. Come on, Google. Skull, motorcycle, uh, Nick Cage. That would be, uh, as I'm looking and yeah. finding out for you. Gone in 60 Seconds or National Treasure? That is not Gone in 60 no, Seconds. No, no, I'm saying Gone in 60 Seconds oh. or National Treasure. Which one are you watching? Uh, uh, you have to. You're forced. Neither. You're forced to watch it Clockwork Orange style. Now, that was uh, Ghost Rider. Ghost um, Rider. Yeah. I, eh. You'll take death? Okay. That Gone works. in 60 seconds is pretty terrible. I, I Like, it's really bad. National Treasure. Yeah, National Treasure is really stupid. I'm with you. Uh, you're getting strapped into the chair. You're getting the uh, Malcolm McDowell uh, uh, headpiece. Head yeah. That holds your eyes open. You have to watch one of them. Which one? Ah. Uh, I uh, you know give me give me sixty seconds because Angelina Jolie's kind of hot in it. There you go. All right, well done. Um, Nuggets, Spurs, Game Seven in Denver. Taylioni. Taylioni. <laughs> uh, here is what you need to know about that game if you don't already know. The winner will play the Blazers on Monday. Ah. The difference will be where they play the game. So if Denver wins, they play in Denver. If San Antonio wins, they play right here in Portland at. Moda Center. Mm. What are you expecting from this game? So here, I'll, real quick, I'll give you my um, shock on Thursday, which was it was a two-point game towards the end of the third quarter. I was out at Kingpins for the NFL draft party that we did. Thank you, everyone, for coming out that, uh, that came out and said, hey, uh, not only to me, but the guys and participated in that event. But we were, we were over at one of the bowling lanes, and I asked them, I go, whoa, two-point game, end of the third quarter, can you put on Spurs Nuggets on this TV. The guy was very accommodating. Took him about three minutes to put it on. By the time he did, it was an 18-point game, and the Spurs were running away with it. So if you had to pick, who do you want to play, Denver or San Antonio? Spurs, and not for the obvious reason of home court advantage, but just for the simple fact that they're an aging team that's now going into a game seven. Uh, and that's really what you want uh, coming into a series, especially having home court advantage. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, I know he's still kind of young, but he's also an aging guard along with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who, to me, you know, if that's how you're going to win a game as the Spurs, okay, fine, you beat us with LaMarcus Aldridge, but I'm going to gamble that we'll be able to, you know, size him up and kind of contain him. Now, it does worry me a little bit that Cantor is uncertain for game one. Um, he's, I, he could be uncertain for the series. Separated shoulder. I mean, he can't eat food apparently yeah i kind of think he's still gonna get out there yeah I, I i really do and i think it'll be in a in kind of a minimal capacity but i also think this is going to be a series that's going to challenge for um 
for uh, Collins. Yeah. For Zach Collins. I think this is going to be a series where Terry Stotts is going to have to face up with Zach Collins and say, look, dude, it's now or never. Like, you know, I understand this is only your... You're off the team! I said now or never. You wouldn't come through. Get out of here! Well, I'm saying more now or never. Like, hey, yeah. man, yeah. you were our... You are our first pick in a draft, and it's been about two years. Like, you haven't really amounted out to what we were hoping. Like, this is your moment. Listen, you're 20 years old. I need you to get out there. Seriously, though, because I I get it. I know the whole potential thing, and he's young and everything. But but seriously, you're kind of seeing a peak in potential with Zach Collins. I'm not even kidding. I know it's just been two years, but you kind of can sense it and go, Mm. I think this is kind of the player Mm. he's going to be. C.J. McCollum, he had one year that was kind of like, rookie shaking legs and then the next yeah, but that year, was his third year he was injured most of the first season then he came out and they put him into the playoffs at the end of his second year but just 30 35 well, yes yes but he had an Anthony Simons moment in his second year it wasn't wasn't like he went out and then the and next year he won most yeah, improved players exactly but yeah. that's what I'm saying his first season injured when he got out there still had shit because he still did play games yeah. they put him in there and in, in dump minutes and he was just kind of getting used to it sure. second season dude they put him in the playoffs and he, they almost beat the Grizzlies and so that's kind of what you're hoping to see happen with Zach Collins and I, I'm just saying I haven't seen that kind of like shining potential yet I've just seen a dude where I go yeah I think this is the player he is Meh, I don't know I, if yeah. there's much room on that ceiling. Yeah, I don't know why you're being mean to poor Zach Collins. Uh, he, 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 he's mean. Had, yeah, he's had moments where you go, oh, you can see the potential. It's about consistency with a young player. But also, he has room to put more weight on, which I think will help because he is still kind of a stick figure. Um, but I, I was just impressed with Terry Stotts and the way that he was able to use all of the pieces that he had against OKC. And Steven Adams ended up getting out of the rotation for big chunks of those games. And they went with Jeremy Grant instead. And there was never really an, an inside presence. For all the talk we had going into the OKC series about Ennis Cantor being humiliated in New York the first time Steven Adams went in there, was telling David Fisdale, you need to get this guy out of here because he can't stop a pick and roll. I thought they defended the interior against OKC, OKC very well, considering Steven Adams is a pretty good player. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know about that. Steven Adams is no Jokic. Yeah. So that's uh, the reason. Steven Adams kind of had his way with Cantor. I mean, it was... I, he did. I, he had his way with him. And actually, that was one of the things that they I found. They won the series in five. No, I know. But it was concerning. And really, Paul George in the first quarter of that game five, he had his way getting to the paint as well. Yeah. That's where he made most of his bread in the first quarter, dude. And that's what really concerns me about coming up to this next series is that, uh, you know, another reason I don't want to play Denver is <laughs> who's going to card Jokic? Well, that's that's exactly yeah. what I, I was mean, saying. I mean, seriously, I I don't know who. Well, if, but- if Cantor's... If Cantor's separated shoulder isn't 100% and he can't give the amount of effort on defense that he's probably going to have to give on offense, like, okay, Zach Collins, I guess. Well, the or shoulder, you throw yeah. Myers in there to be a goon. The shoulder worries me more for a rebounding perspective, too. It's getting both that's arms in the point. air. I mean, that's what Cantor, I think. An offensive rebound is as good as great defense, and that's kind of where Enos Cantor balances things out. Yeah. Um, but if he can't get his arm above his head to put on a shirt right now, I just separate his shoulder, man. It, it, the problem with a shoulder injury is the only thing that helps it is rest. There's not a whole lot of things you can do to to kind of speed up the recovery. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, yeah, I just think that if you if you play either team, you, you either go against experience 
and wisdom of Greg Popovich or you go against the inexperience and the youth that you have with Denver. As good as Jokic has been in the series against the Spurs, they're still going to a game seven. And I think the Blazers are a better team than the Spurs. So I'd, I think they are too. And I, I, just, think, I think the Blazers can win either series. I want to see the Spurs because I want to see LaMarcus Aldridge playing against him. I think it'll be a fun series. I think it'll be a cool storyline. I want to see what Popovich throws at him because I think it sets up for a pretty good prep. If you can get past, I guess if you can get past either team, it makes you better going into the next series. But I just can't wait for them to start playing basketball again. It's It feels like it's been forever since they played a basketball game. It was just Tuesday. But it's been a couple days. It feels like it's been a while. All right, let's get back into uh, the NFL draft in uh, at the bottom of the hour. But now we need to talk some baseball. Jen Ellis joins us next, and we talk about a record-setting day for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just Dodgers, Dodgers, to start things off. We do that next, right here on the Center and the Saint, 1080 The Fan. Luke Anderson, Will Darkins, joined now by Jen Ellis, one of our favorite coworkers to talk baseball with. But, Jen, you also have a history in entertainment, so it's important that we don't miss this opportunity to ask the question, what is your favorite Nick Cage movie? Thing on? Oh, yeah, there it is go. now. Is my thingy on? Thingy. <laughs> is this on? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say I love Raising Arizona. Um, and uh, if you look back at that movie, three people in that movie went on to win Oscars, not from Raising Arizona, of course. But can you name those three people who won Oscars that were in Raising Arizona? I'm gonna say Nick Cage is yep. one, and uh, that's it. That's all I know. Who else is in that movie? Is Marissa Holly Ted? Hunter. Holly Hunter is in that. And uh, Holly Hunter won an Oscar. Yep. What did she win for, for? the piano? Oh, she yeah. didn't speak a word in the whole freaking movie, and she won an Oscar. And then uh, what's her name from Fargo? That was married oh. to. She's married to one of the brothers, one of the Cohen brothers. Yeah. What's her um, name? I know who you're talking. About. <sighs> yeah. I can see her face in my mind. I just can't think of her name. Don't you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, a prowler needs a jump. Francis McDormand. Yes, yeah, Francis McDormand. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Will. Jeez, finally making a contribution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Dodgers had quite the day yesterday. Yeah. So uh, outfielder Cody Bellinger hit a home run in mm-hmm. the first inning of their game yesterday. Yep. And uh, according to the internet, it set a slew of records. Yeah. Uh, so not only did it put Cody Bellinger tied with Christian Yelich for the uh, Major League Baseball lead for home runs with 13. Uh, it also was his 88th base of March, April. So not right. all, not all seasons sure, have yeah. started in March. Right. Um, but that sets a record held uh, by Chase Utley of 85 mm-hmm. bases. Um, he also set a record for the most RBIs for yep. the Dodgers through 28 games. Uh, Previously held by Ron Say. He had 37 in uh, 1977. Thank you. Um, And then, well, there was another record that he broke. Oh, the big one. That is the 33rd home run. Is that what it was? Yes, 33rd consecutive game at home with a home run for the Dodgers. Yeah, cool. That is the big one. So the Dodgers have been a team, obviously, that have been close to winning a World Series (laughs) and have had these great lineups, but Cody Bellinger's been... An absolute stud for them. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because he was never a home run hitter coming up. Right. Uh, throughout the minor leagues, he was mm-hmm. just a, this guy that was just consistent, get the bat on the ball, good player. Yep. Changed his swing, started swinging a little bit more vertical, as we see a lot of guys doing today. Mm-hmm. So it leads me to the question for you, Jen. Do you like 
the new look of Major League <laughs> Baseball, right? I mean, that we, we saw the Mariners yeah. come out and set a Major League record right. for most home runs to start yes. a season. Here's the Dodgers setting another home run record. Yeah. The strikeout we're okay with. Let's hit some bombs. Are you okay with yeah, the new baseball? Yeah, well, I mean, it's fun to see teams just clobber home runs and everything, but, I mean, it's just it's, it leaves me wondering. It's like I don't remember – so many home runs and so many games for so many teams. It just seems like, you know, what are they doing? Like, how is this possible? I just don't, I, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch. I, I like it. You do <laughs> it's do. really fun. Well, it's funny, too, because it's, it's interesting because it's not 1998, right, where, right. where we had the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire mm-hmm. chase where yes. they're going after the home run record. It's not right. a couple guys doing it. Everybody is hitting a few more home runs, which accumulates to a new right. record for the most home runs in a season. Feels yeah, like every yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's and I just saw the thing that uh, Pujols uh, beat or tied Lou Gehrig's uh, record yesterday with his RBIs with his home run. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's yeah, it's amazing. It's like all of these players that are in here for you know as long as Albert Pujols is and you see them getting closer and closer to these you know all-time home run record breaking tying with people in the list you know it's like oh my god is anybody ever gonna like catch up to Barry Bonds you know it's you know it's so you see somebody like Cody Bellinger young guy you know jumping ahead with all these home runs in his first two seasons you know first two complete seasons I guess he yeah yeah I mean he's just he's you know Pretty amazing. <laughs> well, well, and it's it's funny too because it's like, you know, we we see what's going on with the way managers and mm. analytics has kind of changed the way that ball players approach an at bat, but it's also on the fielding side too. So you, we've seen the shift now mm-hmm. for I don't know half a dozen years, and yes. and, and over the last couple of years, it's become insanely uh, prevalent where you're you're sometimes putting the entire defense depending on who mm-hmm. if Joey Gatto's coming to the plate you right. put everybody there and instead of what you know baseball purists would say which is well if these guys could just learn to hit it the opposite opposite field <laughs> yeah Gatto got his first sack fly in yeah. like what was it 300 and some lot of bats or whatever it was or or balls in play or yeah. whatever it was but like the guys are just trying to hit it out yeah. Or go away. And yeah, go, exactly. Go because swinging. you see, they'll show you on the TV, like the, the, the spray chart of like how, where all of the balls will pro- probably go yeah. for whichever batter. And last night I was watching uh, the A's and the Toronto Blue Jays uh, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s debut and everything. And yep. and there was one one of the players, it might have been Justin Smoke. Um, I mean, literally everybody was shifted to the yep. right side. There were like four outfielders just uh-huh. all clumped in, in you know, right center field and and then the all the infielders just there was nobody on the third base side for miles you know yep. and it's like well yeah if that dude can hit the ball that way he you know he's got a triple or he beat the shift and he got a double anyway yeah so it's like you know he's hit the ball right in between four players you know it's like, yeah how does this happen yeah well but, it's funny too because i've I, i've you know i played high school baseball 20 years ago mm-hmm. was the last time i played competitive baseball but I also wonder how weird it is if you're an outfielder that's used to having space mm-hmm. and you try. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're condensed, and then yeah. and then playing with three other outfielders right on top mm-hmm. of you. It's it's like yeah, it makes sense if the ball comes right to you, I sure. guess. But I, I I don't know. It would seem awkward to kind of play in yeah. such a condensed field and area. Mm-hmm. It's almost like. Who's, who's taking this one? Right, exactly, because it's like normally the center fielder would, you know, 
take charge and get the ball. But if they're, yeah, like you said, if there's four people just in this tiny little clump, yeah. like, well, what do we do now? Well, you, you grew up <laughs> going to spring training when you grew mm-hmm. up in Florida a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, how are your, like, is your dad the big baseball fan? That well, kind of... I mean, my family is just, yeah. yeah, my mom and dad would take us to Dodgers games when I was a kid. And my dad worked for an airline, so we got to travel and we'd go to Vero Beach and, yeah. you know, go to spring training before it was a thing to do. And the grass was brown and, you know, just walk right up to Tommy Lasorda and get a picture, you know. Yeah. Uh, before selfies, before cell phones, before any of that crap. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> and that crap, yeah, any of that crap, all this stupid all technology, that technology garbage. They got the internet on computers now. I heard that. <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, what was your question? <laughs> uh, well, my question is, is, is when you talk to your family, like how yeah. does how does everybody feel about the kind of new look yeah. of, of baseball and the idea that the commissioner's going to put a a pitch clock yes yeah exactly well my dad my parents live in arizona now so my dad watches a lot of diamondbacks games and um we were talking on the phone the other day and he was just you know we were going on and on about just you know how players who usually like to take a lot of time getting ready in the batter's box and doing their little rituals and all that stuff and it seems like that's you know they they're not allowed to do that stuff anymore it's just hurry up and get in the in the batter's box because the pitcher's waiting you know and, you know, you'll see the little clock counting down from the time that somebody gets out to the time that the yeah. next batter has to be ready to go, you know. And it's just kind of awkward mm-hmm. to see that in the background on the TV. You know, you just kind of notice it or the, you know, the, the mound visits and you see the umpire marching out to, you know, kick him off the mound and get back to play. You know? Yeah, I just yeah. can't figure out. To me, it's like, I don't know who who's doing the math on it and where the spreadsheet exists yeah. that it's like we'll draw in another 10,000 fans mm-hmm. per game on radio and television if we can cut it yeah. from three hours and seven minutes to two hours and 57 minutes it's right. like, like yeah like really is it going to to make that much no. of a difference and i don't i don't think the changes are so obscene that it's going to move traditionalists away from the game sure. like oh i can't believe they're hurrying up to yeah. the bat and he didn't get yeah. to adjust his wristband nine yeah exactly times with robinson cano yeah we so, get it <laughs> so so yeah i can't i can't see it really deterring people no. so i guess it no harm, no foul, but to yeah. me, it's not going to draw in people. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make people go, oh, well, I'm going to sit here for, you know, two hours and 57 minutes instead of three hours and four minutes. Yeah, you know? well, it's like no. it's like Will's done this, and yeah. he, he's made the argument, not caring about baseball at all. It's like, well, maybe if they cut the number of games down, I'd watch. He no. wouldn't. No, yeah, I might, actually. No, you would not. Yeah, no, would. but it's fun having something to do every day or night. Be like, yay, I get to go home and watch baseball after I finish work today. Or, you know, when it's an off day, I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do tonight? Nothing to do. Yeah, the issue is is that because you have so many games in a season, <laughs> there is a group of games that don't mean anything at a certain point. Yeah, but you well, can sure. say the same thing yeah. for, for NBA, NHL. I yeah, mean, totally. I agree with you. But, so even, what, but you can't get every sport down to 16 games no. like the NFL where every game no. all of a sudden matters. No, you can't. But the difference between baseball and basketball is that you have personalities that are extremely affable in basketball that yeah. want to connect with people. And in baseball, mm. you don't. You yeah, have, but that's a different argument. Yeah, that's that's not well, no, saying we're that talking about watchability now, aren't we? <laughs> well, no, but, but I'm talking about well, re- reduction in time isn't going to all of a sudden grab people that have a laundry list of reasons that they're not interested in baseball. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, you're comparing these two leagues, right? NBA mm-hmm. and baseball, because I guess we are now. season sure. length. Season length is kind of an issue Sim- with both of them. Sure. Well, yeah, sort of. Um but I think one thing that really plays into that is that what keeps me engaged with the long season in the NBA is that all the players have these personalities and they get into these little battles and they have these kind of media scuffles that draw me back in. 
Yeah. Uh, it draws me back in in January. It draws me back in in February when things are kind of in a lull. In baseball, it eats itself. I mean, there was a bat <laughs> flip the other day, and everybody freaked out about it. Yeah. Yes, there was. Yes. It turned into a brawl. It turned, oh, yeah, it my goodness. A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Some boy. Even racial the, slurs. The actual, like uh, the, the actual league itself had to put out a commercial with its most <laughs> – uh, it's most public relations successful player ever saying, let the, let kids, the kids play. play yep. And then they mm-hmm. didn't let the kids play. <laughs> right. Exactly. This is the very reason. Well, yeah. No, no, guys no, no, like, no, no. The pitcher decided to throw the bean ball in yeah. there. Yes. And then when they start throwing racial slurs and going at each uh-huh. other uh, with. Yeah. Flip, remind me again why this. that batter is being suspended. Uh, N word. He was, yeah, That's he was, it? The, yeah. yeah, it yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And then what was yeah. the game uh, in the World Series where uh, the guy did the thing, the Hugh Darvish, the eye thing? Oh, yes. Uh, Yuli Gurriel of the oh, Astros. Right. Was yeah. He, was he, he suspended? He again? was supposed to be suspended, and but the thing was that it they didn't suspend him when it mattered most. Yeah, like he needed to be suspended to during year, yeah. the World Series, yeah. but they yeah. made his suspension start at the next All I'm of saying the next is, season. dude, that yeah. sport is getting so tiring because there is such an older population yeah. of fans who are dragging it yeah. down saying i don't want all this flash i don't want to yeah keep oh, a hot dogger times. flipping your bat yeah. what do you think you're doing showboater if you want to yeah. attract younger fans you got to keep up with modern yeah. trends and you got to stay relevant to what they're doing and baseball doesn't do that your yeah. best player is white bread <laughs> dude go- mike trout is not interesting at all <laughs> no he's not yes. he's a he's really very great vanilla. baseball player yes. and a really great guy what but would interesting be wise what would be fun to do is have this conversation with a city that is the opposite of us, where they have baseball and no basketball. Because right. we're drawn into the NBA because we have local storylines that matter. Mm-hmm. We have local players that we know and care about. We'll go and watch because it's our home team. But you go to Seattle where they're following the Mariners as closely as we follow the Trailblazers. Go to St. Louis where they don't have now don't have a football right. team. They don't have a hockey team. <laughs> they don't have a basketball team. All they care about is baseball. Yeah. There is no better place mm-hmm. for baseball fans to be than St. Louis because that's the one team that they have to hang on to. We're the opposite of them with the Blazers, right. where you have a yeah. huge home field adva- or a home court advantage when you come into the Moto Center because that's all we have to care about. Just look at how we embraced MLS because we had nobody else to latch on to the timbers army is insane and if and when baseball shows up here i think you'll see a big shift in people's attitudes yeah, I, think baseball. So too, I think so yeah. i just no i think so i think it would be great i think it would be awesome uh when I, I lived in salt lake city for a while and i mean oh, yeah, it's like we had the jazz yep and you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> the, right and uh you know the uh when the soccer team came along the real salt lake yeah. i mean it was it was amazing to see people just jump on it. Very really similar to what happened in Portland. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dude, All they right. love Gen- their jazz over there, though. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I there was a lady in the grocery store in front of me. This was a while back, and she was like, I don't think the jazz would have made the playoffs without Carl Malone. So, <laughs> And Carl right, Malone did come into the Starbucks that I worked yeah. at, and he gave us like a $100 tip in the tip jar. Well, it was pretty freaking awesome. Remember how, lady, the, how mad the old lady was in Phoenix at the Sun's owner, Robert <laughs> Sarver? She showed up at the city council meeting and was yelling. I can't remember the guy's <laughs> name. What was it, Ed? And I'm so upset. You of all people, how could you support <laughs> this man? And she's yelling at him over. And that's a city that has all four major sports. They've got them all. And she's yelling at Robert Sarver at a city council meeting. The uh, People the, love their sports. The thing I always want to mention with Carl Malone, and this isn't to 
downtrodden <laughs> in opinion or anything. No, it's no. just kind of the annual reminder that Carl Malone refused to play uh, with Magic Johnson because he, he thought it. he was going to get AIDS. Oh, right. I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I think people always need to remember yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Ha- hashtag never forget. Yeah, right. seriously, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Jen, we were going to try yes. to get to some uh, public announcer reads, uh, but we didn't have a chance because who knew, who knew we would engage Will in baseball I conversations? Know, so we will take that every time. All you have uh, to do is mention Carl Malone in a baseball conversation, and he'll be like right on it. There you oh, go. for sure. <laughs> but this week you're going out to the Hillsborough Hops. Yeah. Uh, you're going to audition. Open yeah, auditions, what, May 1st? May 1st, yeah. Uh, four to six? Something that, like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, so if anybody else wants to yeah, compete we'll with Jen for the uh, public yes. address announcer job, mm-hmm. uh, but we wish you very good luck. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. There's Jen Ellis. We are uh, contractually obligated right now. Before we get into uh, the quarterback conversations around Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, Daniel Jones going number six to the Giants. Before we can talk about that, we need to bring you the sports news. Big thanks to Jen Ellis. Always fun talking with her, baseball with her. We talked all the way until the end of that break, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we should get back to the radio show. It's what we're paid to do. It's it's why we get paid the big bucks. Um, it's not because we're experts in draft analysis, but I think the, the most interesting things, and I hope you guys would agree out there in uh, football fandom land, that uh, where the quarterbacks go, especially in the first round, I think is is really interesting. Um, yeah. We saw Drew Locke was one of those guys that people talked about might be a first-round pick. He got picked up in the second by the Broncos. So they've got a plan for this year in Flacco. They've got their, I don't know, they keep doing this, their next Paxton Lynch and Drew Locke, a guy that you know we're going to hope can play quarterback, but obviously John Elway can't evaluate them. Um, but at the top of the draft, I... I know everybody's talking about Daniel Jones at six being the weirdest thing. And this isn't even necessarily that they made the wrong pick in Arizona taking Kyler Murray, but the way they handled everything was idiotic. They go and get Kyler Murray and they decided 10 minutes before the draft to start shopping Josh Rosen. And when a lot of people thought they could have gotten a first round pick for him, had they started shopping him early take a look at what the Seahawks did with Frank Clark. I would think Josh Rosen's at least that valuable. And they end up getting the 62nd overall pick in this year's draft. And what a second round or, or a fifth round next year. So a second and a fifth for a top 10 pick who didn't have any injury reason, didn't perform so poorly that we don't think he has a future in the league. I thought they bungled that thing as bad as anybody has in recent memory. Uh, I would slightly disagree with you, actually, okay. because we really don't know what we have. And that's why I say... Uh, well, yeah, but that's the whole draft. You never know what you have. But you th- you would think you could get more for, for Rosen, right? Eh, I don't know. Honestly, man, he's not that good. I mean, if you watched any Cardinals stuff this last year, I understand that their offensive line was like paper. But at the same time, like there was some stuff about his game that kind of made you worry. One was that he didn't really seem to uh, sense pressure well at all. And I know it's a rookie quarterback and everything, but really, like, he, he really had no awareness that, like, something might be coming around his back. Like, he had no pocket awareness. And for a guy that's not particularly mobile, that's what you would hope would be uh, one of the things that he'd be good at. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not really going to knock them for getting two picks for a guy that you really didn't know what you had for the most part. And who knows? Maybe Josh Rosen will just really suck in the NFL. And so, <laughs> well, he's going to the Dolphins, so he's yeah. on the he's on the right uh, trajectory if he wants to suck. Playing in a Dolphins uniform, everybody oh. since Dan Marino's been awful. Dude, so. he's dead on arrival, and it's, it's made even worse by the fact that he kind of looks like Ryan Tannehill. 
Like, well, but yeah. I, I guess here's my thought is if the Giants are willing to use a sixth overall pick for Daniel Jones and you can get a second round pick for Drew Locke, you would think there's some value in Josh Rosen. I, I think Josh Rosen would probably at least garner some interest from those teams, right? I thought that there was a very good point made on ESPN about this. Uh, I forgot. It was somebody replacing Darian Mel uh, this morning. Yeah. Um, that they said, you know, actually the Giants may have made a really good pick with this because if you look at their team next year, they're really not going to be much better than they were this year. Uh, And if you draft somebody like Dwayne Haskins or you go out and make a trade for somebody like Josh Rosen, you're going to really early in the season start getting calls for them to replace Eli. To replace Eli. You know, Daniel Jones... I don't know. I've seen Duke play. I watched some ACC games last year. He's I. Right. I mean, he's not really that great. I don't think many of those giant fans are going to be calling for Daniel Jones, to be quite honest. So it gives you that year buffer of allowing Eli to kind of play out crappily for the rest of this. And then, yeah. I don't know, week four announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, because it's 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 the whole family connection. And if you haven't heard the the connection, it's it's not just David Cutcliffe, but it's the whole idea that Daniel Jones is tied in with the Manning family and Peyton was one of his uh, advocates and he's got a good relationship with Eli Manning. And you just kind of wonder, we talk about it all the time about getting the right fit. I mean, we just said it with Rosen. He's going to the Dolphins. He has no hope. <laughs> and I mean, they have not. To be fair, had, no one does. But that's yeah. exactly right. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going, you're going to a quarterback black hole down in Florida, where you're going to be bad because of where you are. And we've seen this for years and years with the the Browns. And there's no guarantee that after a good year for Baker Mayfield, he's the guy that breaks the streak of nine thousand quarterbacks since Bernie Kosar. Um, but when you go and get a guy like Daniel Jones that already has a relationship and is happy to be a mentee and Eli is happy to be a mentor, you you already know you're going to have a less contentious relationship than you had with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah, those two guys might have been two of the most talented quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, but you can make an argument for both guys. And I know Aaron Rodgers has a few years left. It's like, but they should have won more with the talent that they have. Brett Favre. If he wasn't such a gunslinger, if he would have taken a little bit more kindly to coaching, he could have won another Super Bowl or two. Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. So maybe just having a peaceful transition and a, and a comfortable locker room and, and quarterback room for both guys might be the best thing that ha- that could happen. You don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, saying. it's the best thing that could happen for what you're hoping for next year, which is that yeah. you get a chance at um, Justin Herbert or, you know, any of the other quarterbacks that are coming out. <laughs> I mean, well, really, no, but that's I think, it. I think you I have, mean, if you spend a sixth overall pick, a first round pick, you have to believe that Daniel Jones has the ability to play in the NFL at some point. No, he doesn't. And, and I, I don't, don't say you have to believe it. I'm saying that. Uh, and I honestly don't think they do either. Really? I, they they no. wasted it. Then why not get a edge rusher? Because your defense is already pretty ironclad. I mean, ironclad. Come on. The Giants' defense is yes, it's pretty good. But it would it, you're telling me that adding a a great D tackle or D end, which the first round was littered with, wouldn't have made them better, dude. I'm telling you, I think this pick was to appease Eli Manning. Yeah, I, I, I think it it really wasn't anything believing in Daniel Jones' talent. Seriously, dude, watch some of the tape. Daniel Jones is like like 
gut-wrenchingly average. Um, and I think they drafted him basically to give Eli Manning this one year to say, look, dude, we're, we're not – we're not threatening you, okay? We're not going out and getting Haskins, who, you know, yeah. many of the draft analysts believe he's ready day one. We're not trading for Josh Rosen, who is already, you know, quote-unquote game ready, and we can put him in week three when you start sucking. We're getting a really non-threatening guy who, by the way, doesn't want to take your spot, who's saying, I want to be a student and everything, and we're letting you play your year out and gracefully leave. Hey, I, that's hey, what I think. Hey, you like you like vanilla? You like you like vanilla ice cream? Can I get your cone? Here you go, Daniel Jones. Pretty much threatening. Yeah. Don't have to worry about nuts getting stuck in your teeth, dude. It's the same thing the Lakers did with Kobe when he signed his last contract. They gave him forty-two million dollars for two years, <laughs> and yeah. they did it because they were like, "Look, you've won us yeah. pretty much five titles." Well, it is. It's the idea that you can't. The, that you don't pay a guy for what he's done. Yes, you do. It happens all the time in sports. It's happened right now with Ben Roethlisberger, and I think there's an element to that. But I also think that that the Giants do believe that if they give this guy a year or two to study under Eli, that he's going to be better than going out and getting a guy that's just going to go and play off of raw talent. I think they do believe that he has some talent. I just do. Dude, you wouldn't waste a first-round draft pick. I think they're waiting. Honestly, I think this was to appease two parties fans who, if you didn't draft a quarterback would get pissed. Yeah. The fans were pretty happy with that pick. Yes. And yeah, no, I think they were honestly, I think they went, I I think they went, Oh good. At least they drafted a quarterback. Who's his backup. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's scary. At least you get a draft pick in there that if he does well, you look like a genius. And if he does bad, you go, well, screw it. He's young. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, dude, I think this was more of a PR move than anything because they know how deep of a hole they're in. Like, they're in a serious deep hole right now. You lost your best receiver. I mean, probably the best receiver in the league. Yeah, but they had a Golden Tate, so they're fine. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you have Saquon Barkley, who, you know, if you Stud. just if you look ahead into the future, say, like, two or three years, he could waste his prime. But I don't to know. Be quite They've honest. got an ironclad defense. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help when they're on the field constantly. Dude, it's a really good defense. It's yeah. just the fact that they're on the field constantly. It's the same thing with the Bucks, dude. Tampa Bay, their defense is really, really good. But when You would never know it because they yeah, never leave the field. But Jameis Winston is your quarterback and you're having three and outs every single series. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not fair to Jameis Winston. He throws interceptions in there sometimes on first and second down. They're not all three and outs. How dare you? There is a pretty sweet picture online of Daniel Jones uh, really close up in his face, and he's got uh, underbite douche. Does he really? Yeah, he's got underbite douche face. The whole thing, of, like when he smiles, is like, eh. I will pull up that picture. We'll t- get a, a evaluation on that, and then we will tell you what to watch. We'll do that next. We'll wrap up the Sinner and the Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore Showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel, avid television viewer Will Darkins. And increasingly out-of-touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson. Are here to tell you what to watch. 
literally. It's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Very intense music. Ugh. So, Daniel Jones, I don't see the underbite as much as I see a lot of blank stares. Very similar to Eli Manning. He's dead inside? Uh, not dead inside. Uh, not like Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, more just, uh, you know, just not aware that his uh, face is being able to be seen by other people uh, when he's not, like, engaged with them. So he just goes slack jaw and just, like, far off stare. Like, he always doesn't know he's on camera. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, every time a picture is taken, he's like, why would somebody be taking a picture of me while I'm on the field setting up a play? Uh? Yeah. Yeah. What? He's <laughs> unaware that other people can see him most of the time. Oh, you, Daniel Jones has a little bit of that. Wait, you knew what? <laughs> uh, all right, so today is uh, game one, Sixers Raptors. That'll be at four thirty uh, tonight at seven p.m. Is Spurs Nuggets game seven? That will determine who the Blazers pet play. We also have game one uh, tomorrow in both the Celtics Bucks series and the Rockets. Warriors series. What are you watching, Will? I am watching for Denver to probably win game seven, but what I'm really watching for is to see if Nikola Jokic can actually keep up the play he had from game five. Game five was just like... Is that 45 or something? Yes, yeah. just dropping a huge bomb of scoring, and then you saw it kind of drop off in game seven, or I'm sorry, game six, so... In Game 7, I'm kind of hoping to see that he continues to lull off from that performance because if they win, that's a good sign for us that maybe he isn't as consistently dominant as we thought. I am predicting that Denver will win this game, hoping Spurs win it. If Denver wins, hoping Jokic plays bad. <laughs> well, there you go. Watching uh, Nikola Jokic and see what he does. I'm watching the game once tomorrow, man. I am so pumped. These, I think, should be conference finals. Uh, you're looking at Celtics, Bucks, and Rockets, Warriors. Obviously, the Rockets, Warriors was a conference final last year. Dude, that's crazy. They're playing game one tomorrow after they just I know. set game six. That sucks. Yeah, but, uh, well, and it's good for Houston, so you wonder what, uh, what they're going to kind of bring. But th those are the two series that I think I'm most excited for in on both sides of the playoffs. The the Raptors 76ers doesn't do a whole lot for me. The the Celtics obviously took care of Indiana no problem. The Bucks look as unstoppable as they did at points during the regular season. So I want to see what happens when the rubber meets the road and these teams really start to play because I think that your champions coming out of both of these series um, or at least your your conference representatives. Um, I, I may get my mind changed, but t depending on what Toronto does, and obviously if the Blazers go to the conference finals, I'm rooting for them. But I think you're going to see your champion win these two series. Yeah, I uh, I also just want to see Giannis play. Yeah, right. Dude, well, he's been just frigging dominant in the playoffs. I know. I mean, I know they only beat Detroit, but dude, that, yeah. it was it was pathetic how they just. The, the Pistons could not guard. Well, and the Celtics are interesting because, right, they just have players all over the place, yeah. too. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't even the stars on that team, and you have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayes. It's just they, they have so many so many waves that you can throw at it, and it's just like, oh, here comes the Greek freak. So, yeah, those are I'm going to watch both of those games tomorrow, and I'm going to be very excited about it. And, uh, you wonder if the Warriors will pull their heads out and uh, and just put their foot down on the on the Maybe. Rockets. Well, dude, I mean, the Clippers going to six games with them. Anybody see that coming? 
Who, no, had that, I, who had that in their NBA playoffs poll? Dude, sums up with the Warriors. I mean, it took a Kevin Durant just like, hey, I need to just absolutely take over this game performance for yeah. them to get over that. I mean, absolutely. they did not look good. All right, before we tell you what to watch outside of sports, I want to remind everybody that this segment is brought to you by Encore Audio Video. If you would like home automation, you want to set up some outdoor entertainment options, or if you're just looking to build a custom home theater, no better place to start than the Encore Audio Video showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Will, what are you watching outside of sports? I am going to watch uh, Raising Arizona. I'm going to watch Wicker Man. There you go. Do it. Please do it. It's an all Nick Cage what to watch uh, for the weekend. Uh, Whatever you watch of Nick Cage, tell us about it on Twitter or on the Better You Today text line next week, 55305. Uh, And we will see you guys again next week. Big thanks to Jen Ellis, Will Darkens, as always. We are done. I think it's time to go play golf. Bye-bye. For life is quite absurd and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. You know, I'm going to watch Norbit.